Uh, turn to Galatians chapter 5. And we'll start reading from verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you, that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor, to do the whole law. Christ has become of no effect unto you, whosoever of you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. Thank you. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. I have confidence in you through the Lord that ye will be none otherwise minded. But he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment whosoever he be. And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offence of the cross ceased. I would they were even cut off which trouble you. For, brethren, ye have been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbour as thyself. But if ye uh, bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfil the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's, have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity of being able to um, look at this passage from the Epistle to the Galatians. And, um, and we pray, Father, that you will teach us, that you will um, soften each of our hearts and our minds, that we would be open and receptive to what you have to say to each of us this morning. We pray that you will continue to equip us for the work of the ministry, um, continue to um, uh, strengthen our faith, Father, and to help us to be always ready and willing uh, to give an answer for this hope uh, 
um, which you have given to each of us with meekness and with fear. Pray, Father, that you will just empower me to say only those things, Father, which you would have me to say um, as we uh, look at your word this morning. For it's in Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. So, Paul began the fifth chapter, this fifth chapter of Galatians, with the command to stand fast in the liberty um, that Christ gave us. This is a military term, a fighter's stance, a sure footing on the one piece of ground we know is stable. That is, we stand on God's grace and we depend on his strength and not ours. Paul writes in this epistle that we needn't fight to receive liberty in Christ, but we should be prepared to defend our liberty in Christ against those who would cause us to doubt. So, in that first section of Galatians, Paul argued against those people who deny our liberty from sin and the law. And in the final part of the epistle... um, Paul warns against those who would try to abuse this liberty for sin. As Christians, we are free, but we should use this freedom to reflect God's love. So now we're going to look at this conflict between our flesh and the spirit, between our natural desire to to wrong and the influence of God on our hearts. Um, So verses 16 Um, to 18 this I say then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh for the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would but if you be led of the spirit you are not under the law here Paul presents the reality of the conflict um, within us We cannot forget the battle between our flesh and the spirit of God because ignorance is a sure way to lose. In these verses, however, we find a few lessons regarding our spiritual growth. So firstly, we win by walking with the spirit. God gives us the path to victory and only by sticking close to his spirit can we see the way. Paul writes here that we shouldn't let anything move us away from our walk in the Spirit. Now, I've got to remember, in Paul's day, um, walking played a much more important role in people's lives than what it does today. Um, Most people didn't have chariots or wagons or even an animal that they could ride on. And almost everyone got to where they wanted to go by walking. Um... That was their main form of transport is their own two legs. Um, In a world without cars, buses or aircraft, people faced many more challenges as they walked, uh, including uncertain paths, dangerous weather, wild animals and bandits. So when Paul writes that we should walk closely with the Spirit, the Galatian believers may have pictured the security a child had by walking with a parent. I mean, you put, put yourself back in, you know, in, in, in the Galatians day in, in, in relation to just walking from point A to point B. You know, if you had to walk any distance, um, there were 
risks involved in doing that. And I guess in some, um, you know, in some parts of the world or sometimes, you know, that's still the case today, isn't it? Um, you know, not, not many people are brave enough to walk across the footbridge, um, you know, in the middle of the night here in, in Grafton. Um, you know, that's, uh, that could be perilous. Um, so, but you, you imagine that this was the only form of transport um, uh, that most people had. And so if you had to walk any great distance, you had to consider the dangers in, in, in doing so. And so, um, you know, the, so imagine the comfort that a child would receive by walking, you know, to, um, uh, to somewhere with their parents. Or um, the safety that merchants found um, when they went in caravans, so they went in large groups, um, you know, from, from town to town, for example. So that's that, when Paul talks about walking here, we've got to think back in what walking was like um, back in, in their day. We cannot win the war of flesh and spirit on our own. And we've been saying this all along, haven't we? You know, um, Paul in this epistle is is um, showing the Galatians that we can't be sanctified in our own strength. You know, we don't do our own sanctification. Um, the security of our own of, of our salvation does not lie in our ability. Um, to keep the law. But we need to rely on God to sanctify us and we need to rely on Christ's finished work on the cross for our eternal security. And that's um, been the whole point of this epistle um, to the Galatians. So God fights for us. Um, just just turn back. We went, we went here last week, but you know this relates directly to um, to this passage, back to Romans chapter 7. In verse 21, I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. And we shouldn't read that passage without reading the start of chapter 8 which we will do in a little while. Um, so our safety depends on our proximity to our protector, to our saviour. Um, just like back in Paul's day, um, you know, if merchants were travelling from one town to another, they'd travel in the car caravan, so they'd rely on the safety of numbers. Um, if families were travelling, children would rely on their parents' um, protection as they travelled from point A to point B. So in the same way, we need to rely on our proximity 
to our Saviour, our walk with God. But how do we walk closely with the Spirit? Spiritually speaking, walking involves both motion and direction. Day by day, we must remain active spiritually by praying to God, by reading His Word, by spending time with other believers, by sharing His love with others. We do this activity, this motion, with the goal of becoming more like Christ and to glorify God. You know, our ultimate goal is God's glory, isn't it? Um, and, and we, do, and, and we um, bring glory to God by spending time with Him, by allowing Him to change us into His image, by telling others about Christ, um, uh, through fellowship with other believers, um, by praying, you know, all these um, aspects of our lives brings honour and glory um, to God. So we walk with God and toward God and His grace helps us along the way. Turn back to um, John chapter 15. So the Lord says here in verse 1, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, fruit he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. And you know, that verse 5, it's a promise. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. You know, that's, that's a promise that as we abide in Christ, as we um, walk with him, walk in the spirit, then we will bear much fruit. Um, we may not necessarily see that fruit. But this is, a, you know, this is one of those areas where um, we exercise faith, isn't it? You know, we have to trust God that he will honour his promise, even though we may not necessarily see it. Um, verse 6, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments... You shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another, as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends. 
if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth um, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit, that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. These things I command you, that ye love one another. Um, so, firstly, we, um, we saw that we win by walking with the Spirit. Now, when we walk in the Spirit, we do not fulfill the desires of the flesh in the second part of verse 16, back in Galatians 5. Um, for this I say then walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh as we walk with God he gives us grace to refuse the desires of our flesh only by his strength can we turn from sin now turn back to um, Romans chapter 8 In verse 1. So remembering this follows on from that, the end of um, chapter 7. So here in chapter 8 verse 1 Paul says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. For they that after th are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. So when we sin, we can grow discouraged in our walk with God, um, telling ourselves that we're too weak for the Christian life, that we're not good enough or strong enough, you know, and these things are true. We can't avoid sin on our own. So when we sin, we need to remember that we are all weak and we always will be until um, the Lord takes us home to be with him and our bodies are renewed. But rather, we should be sorry for not depending on God. We should repent because we looked for fulfilment in something else than God, for not trusting him and for not reflecting his holiness. 
So sin is not bad because it reminds us of our weakness. It's bad because it's a turning from God. Uh, just turn to Isaiah chapter 59. And starting from verse 1. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies, your tongue hath muttered perverseness. None calleth for justice, nor any pleadeth for truth. They trust in vanity and speak lies. They conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity. They hatch cockatrices' eggs and weave the spider's web. He that eateth of their eggs dieth, and that which is crushed breaketh out into a viper. Their webs shall not become garments, neither shall they cover themselves with their works. Their works are works of iniquity, and the act of violence is in their hands. Their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity, wasting and destruction are in their paths. A way of peace they know not, and there is no judgment in their goings. They have made them crooked paths. Whosoever goeth therein shall not know peace. Therefore is judgment far from us. Neither doth justice overtake us. We wait for light, but behold, obscurity. For brightness, but we walk in darkness. We grope for the wall like the blind, and we grope as if we had no eyes. We stumble at noonday as in the night. We are in desolate places as dead men. We roar all like bears and mourn sore like doves. We look for judgment, but there is none. For salvation, but it is far from us. For our transgressions are multiplied before thee, and our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us, and as for our iniquities, we know them. In transgressing and lying against the Lord... And departing away from our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart words of falsehood. So sin is bad because it's a turning from God. So in this passage back in Galatians, Paul does not write about our flesh's desires or lusts to refer only to sensual sins, but also to the strong desire for other things such as money, fame, affection or anything else that distracts our focus from God. Even good healthy things can become objects um, of lust or desire and therefore gateways to sin. Um, Turn to James chapter 1. And verse 14. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. So here the apostle writes that we are tempted when we are lured and enticed by our own (laughs) desire. Um, Then that desire or lust can give birth to sin. And then sin, when, at, when it has reached maturity, brings death. 
That death means hell for the unredeemed, but we, the redeemed, can still experience a shadow of that spiritual death. That is separation from God. We can let sin get in the way of a good relationship with him. You know, if we harbour sin in our lives, that um, uh, breaks our fellowship with the Lord. And so we need to confess that sin in order to restore our fellowship um, with God. But as we walk in the Spirit... He will not allow sin to bring us to that death. So, um, thirdly, the flesh and the spirit hold opposing desires in verse 17. Um, This should seem obvious at this point, but Paul emphasizes the fact that the flesh and the spirit push us in opposite directions. If we feel conflicted over sin, it's because there exists a conflict within us. We see that in Romans chapter 7. We cannot walk perfectly with God and yet still enjoy our sin. Yet many believers still try. Some some ministries teach that we can have a fantastic relationship with God and yet live in a way completely contrary to his character. According to these teachers, our liberty exists only to give us immunity from the consequences of sin, which is the source of all pleasure in this world. But when we sin, we must realize that we've turned from God, that we've betrayed Christ's love and that we must turn back to him. Um, We repent, we confess to him and he is faithful to restore our fellowship um, again. And that's a promise that we have in 1 John chapter 1. Which says... If we say then that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then lastly, if the Spirit leads us, we are not under the law. Here again... The old bondage seems attractive. If we face so much potential sin and we're in such conflict, shouldn't we just have a bunch of rules? Well, here in um, Galatians 5.18, Paul writes that the Spirit is still the answer, not more law. We must be led by God, not a list of do's and don'ts. God... um, God's word reveals to us God's character. God's word reveals to us God's standard, you know, and that's the moral, you know, the 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 law um, that the Jews uh, lived by was God's standard. But because it is God's standard, and um, all you know, we are sinners. We can't live up to that standard. So there needed to be a another way. Um, for our salvation and that's why God sent Christ to die on the cross in our place okay so that um, his death pays the penalty for us not being able to live up to God's standard Um, and then our faith and trust needs to be in that finished work of Christ for salvation for sanctification um, and to be able to um, live for God as he would have us to So no list of rules we write could ever keep us perfectly from sin. No matter how big 
or how tall our laws might be. Sin is a slippery, slimy creature and it can fit into any crack we leave it. Sometimes we're much too smart for our own good and it's easy for our flesh to follow a few, a few rules or it may seem easy for our flesh to follow a few rules and yet still disobey God. Um, you know, consider the, consider the Pharisees and what Christ um, said about them. I mean, um, the Pharisees lived by the law of God, you know, by, by the law. Um, but yet they didn't. You know, because God says that if you fail in one part of the law, um, you fail all. You know, what about the um, uh, one of the Pharisees that came up to the Lord said, um, you know, I've kept all of the law. And the Lord said to him, well, go and sell all that you have and give to the poor. That was his struggling point. Um, and that, demonstra- that demonstrated to him that, okay, he may have, seemed to keep the whole law, but he didn't keep the spirit of the law. So the only person that can help us walk close with God is God himself. We must rely on his spirit if we wish to avoid sin and reflect him. You know, the point that Paul is trying to make right throughout Galatians is that um, sanctification... Um, our eternal security does not rest upon our ability to keep the law. It relies on our faith in Christ's finished work. Our faith in Christ's finished work for salvation secures our eternal security. And our sanctification is as we spend time with God, beholding his glory in his word, Um, as we meditate on his glory, his Holy Spirit will conform us into that image, little by little. And we just need to be patient with the Lord as he works in our hearts, as he conforms us to his image. Um, But that has, uh, our sin has no effect on our eternal security. Um, Our eternal security is secure. And it's eternal. Um, So we need not, um, once we are saved, we can't lose our salvation. Um, And um, our eternal security is dependent on Christ's finished work on the cross. And that's the point that Paul is trying to make in this epistle. Next week, we'll um, go on to look at... um, the next section in this chapter which deals with the works of the flesh and the works of um, the spirit. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. Father, we thank you so much for your son, for sending your son to die on the cross in our place. Father, we thank you that our eternal security does not depend on our ability to live perfectly before you. Um, We thank you that it depends on Christ's finished work of the cross and that is sufficient and we thank you and praise you for that. We pray, Father, that you will help us to um, indeed um, spend time with you in your word, to behold your glory through your word. 
and we pray that you'll continue to conform us to the image of Christ and help us to live for you as you would have us to. Help us to be a faithful witness and testimony for you um, uh, in testifying um, of your mercy and grace to the unsaved and testifying of you uh, to one another as well and uh, help us to be an encouragement and a blessing um, to one another as well. For it's in Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. Thank you.